Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. Great to put yourself in, in the sandals of those in the crowd that day. Um, those of you who've watched The Chosen, I believe it was the, the final episode that they presented, was stepping out to present uh, that, uh, that mountain of, of, of power. And we will, not, uh, we will not cover all of that today by any means, especially with a 12 o'clock game. I guess. Uh, but I promise we're actually only going to focus on one sentence. You can, you can guess what that sentence might be. Once, once again, really briefly, to put this in the context, we were talking last week about Jesus, the King of Kings, in comparison to Herod, and also thinking about in comparison to how Herod used what he knew, and how the, how the wise men knew, uh, used what they knew, how they processed information. Information has to lead to relationships. Information we, we gain and gather and talk about needs to, lead, needs to lead to presence and relationship with him. Otherwise, it's, uh, otherwise it's, just an extra, it's like reading a marriage book and then not doing anything about it and not having any impact because of it. And I mentioned earlier how we talked about the importance of recognizing the shepherd's voice and hearing, hearing that voice very strongly in these three chapters that we've just heard. And the Sermon on the Mount is, is the best distillation of going to one place in the Scripture and knowing what Jesus sounds like. This has been, this has been compared to or described as King Jesus' inaugural address. He has just been crowned king. Uh, it, well, it, it's early in his ministry, and he, he gives this inaugural address to lay out his his policies, these are the policies of King Jesus, and explains what he expects of members of his kingdom. Now this mount is likely, a, if, you've, if you've been over uh, to that neck of the woods, there's not really many mountains uh, in the area, and this is kind of a, a gently sloping hill, but it's elevated enough that people see comparisons with Moses handing down the law on Mount Sinai, and this is Jesus replacing it. We heard Paul talk about not being under the law in class any longer. And Jesus uh, gives this new way of looking and living. And in, in this, and this Sermon on the Mount is seen the core of, of his ministry and the core of Jesus' theology. So if, if we're going to focus on first things, first things first is the... Uh, is, is, the, uh, is the old phrase, and it's, it's often uh, thought of here at the beginning of the year. The, the first of the year is people make resolutions. Some of them may have already been dropped from your uh, agenda by now. Uh, that's between you and God. Uh, but this is a time when we think about our priorities and how we spend our time, our resources, and everything else. And that is what Jesus is is, uh, is deeply concerned with in this teaching. What things do we put first? What things do we prioritize? 
And so just for a few minutes, let's talk about this sentence. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We're going to look at each word briefly. Because but, but calls in the context of everything. I think John had that like, hey, you know what, thank you guys so much for that. That was just really powerful. I am so grateful for I know you prepared that, and I appreciate it. Uh, but the, the lick about worry, this sentence is in the context of worrying. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? There's no anxiety in this room, is there? None of us are worrying about anything. You could, you could just add whatever you want to to that list in terms of do not worry about this or that. The, the, the list is long. And um, I don't know if you can see that, but over 40% of people are experiencing anxiety or depression uh, clinically as a result of, of the COVID-19 pandemic in, in one study. There's a, there's a lot to worry about, but, so, so the context is whatever you're concerned about, whatever your anxiety is about, whatever you're worried about, that is there, but here's what God has to say about it. King Jesus' antidote for worry, King Jesus' antidote for anxiety is to seek, to look for, not in a casual manner. I decided not to bust out the Greek. Everybody say, amen, thank you. If we just stick with the English words, if we are seeking something, we are searching for something, it's not a casual, oh, look, a penny on the floor. It's not something you just come across. It's something you are intently looking for and devoting your energy and focus to. This is not a casual, I'll just go to church on Sundays and punch my card and get a little Jesus and be fine for the rest of the week. This is a, this is a lifestyle of pursuing Jesus, pursuing, well, he's going to tell us what to pursue, isn't he? But first, he makes sure it's first. We're going to seek first these things before everything, before even the important stuff the important stuff that you survive on, like food and shelter, like relationship, like family, like income, before anything. That's what first means. He can't mean. Can he mean that? We need all those things. What did he say before that? He already knows you need it or you ask for it. Seek First, not those things, but seek first his. We know what his is talking about. And by saying his, it implies and says clearly there are other options. Not just options to seek first, but other kingdom options. There are other kingdoms. And if we think about, oh, if, you, if you've sung the Messiah, I meant to put this scripture up. 
but uh, in, in the book of Revelation 11, it talks about the kingdom of the world being made part of the kingdom of God, being surrendered to him. There's also mention of, of the accuser's kingdom. Once again, he's never named. Satan is the word for accuser, Satan in Hebrew. So the accuser's kingdom is affirmed as existing a couple different places, really uh, clearly. Jesus' temptation for 40 days in the, in the wilderness, Satan tempts him, the accuser tempts him, it's, it's hard, it's hard, and shows him the kingdoms of the world and says, all these are mine, and I'll give them to you if you worship me. Jesus doesn't say, wait a minute, those are my dad's. It's complicated, and I can't pretend to say I can explain it, other than that God has allowed the enemy a level of activity and power that, um, that is going to be resolved in that part in Revelation 11, where everything is, is surrendered to him. So we have the kingdom of the world, we have the kingdom of the enemy, and then the other option is God's kingdom as, as we see over and over, as we see in the, uh, as, well, let's talk about kingdom first. Let's talk, talk about kingdom next. In the name that God has so often in the Old Testament, Yahweh Sabaot. Talked about that before, that word Sabaot being a military term, referring to him as the head of armies. And uh, uh, references all over the Old Testament, but let's just look at these two. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 1 Kings 22, Micaiah continues, therefore hear the word of Yahweh, I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right, and on his left. And we won't turn to Revelation 4 and 5 and that magnificent throne room described of him reigning in, in, in heaven over his kingdom. As we think about the kingdom of God, uh, his, uh, his love has extended his forces into our lives as well. And we'll, I will just say that and not go further just in terms of the pictures we have of, of God and his armies of angels in the Old Testament. There's an example where he tells David as they're going against the Philistine, wait till you hear my troops, the trees. When you've heard them, then bring your army. In. Once again, we won't go there because of time. But the, over and over, the reference to, to the angel armies of God is present, and the battle of Jericho is another place. And, and so as we think about the kingdom of God being at war with the kingdom of the enemy, uh, the, the thing that, that, gives us, uh, that gives us peace is that Jesus is with us. As he talks about in Matthew 2, if it, is, if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So this, this 
this war between kingdoms may be going on, but once Jesus sets foot on the planet, balance of power changes forever. And then the balance of power really changes when Jesus raises from the dead and when he pours out his spirit on his church. As the church becomes part of the kingdom of God, as the Holy Spirit sent from God, sent from heaven, sent as part of the kingdom, is given to the church, given to us, made us part of the, part of the kingdom, and given us the, the assignment of the kingdom to follow the, king's, follow the king's mission as we live our lives as part of the kingdom. We are seeking first his kingdom and there's the large scale, there's the, there's the war kingdoms at war scale, and then there's the E scale how I'm walking out my role in the kingdom. And so, on that level, I am seeking His, you know, uh, once again, His is about His righteousness. So implying there's other kinds of righteousness that's not His. There's the righteousness that's all about you. And what you can do, by golly, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, whatever, whatever it is, I'm going to Run a marathon this summer. I'm going to, I'm getting, whatever, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, bootstraps uh, or uh, uh, um, in, in recovery circles, there's white knuckling. I'm going to stop my addiction just by sheer force of will, whatever it is. It's a you-driven righteousness. But his righteousness comes from him. It comes from partnership with him. It's nurtured in his presence. Remember, once again, our information processing model leads us to presence. His presence. And that's where his righteousness comes from. And his righteousness is what this inaugural address is all about. What is his righteousness? Start with these three chapters and you'll spend your, your entire life running after the righteousness Jesus inspires. And the righteousness in this inaugural address is only possible in partnership with him. It has to be his righteousness because these things, this lack of anger, this, uh, all of these things, all of them are impossible unless he is in the mix, unless he is in partner and we are in partnership with him. And, and inserts the if slash then we heard in the Isaiah passage earlier, where, he, where God says, if you follow me, then you will be blessed, and if you turn your back on me, I believe the text says, you'll be devoured by the sword. Now granted, that's in a different time in God's relationship with humanity. Jesus has come, the Spirit is here, but there is still a working of, of relationship with God and our dependence on Him and our faithfulness to Him that is, that is seen in, in our trust in Him being blessed by, by His presence in our lives. 
all those Beatitudes, blessed are the, that, that list of people um, in various places of life, God's faithfulness to those who are, who, are, who are in dire straits, who are mourning, who are, who are meek and not, not the champions of the kingdom of the world. God's presence with them is, is certain. And all these things, so we're not going word for word now, we'll do some phrases to bring us in for a landing if that's all right. All these things, all these things he was talking about earlier, right? The, what, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what, what are you worried about? All these things, what you need for material life. And that word need, it's not win the lotto kind of uh, level of provision. It's, it's not everything you want. It's, 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 it is what you need. And he talks about how the birds and the flowers are examples of, of creatures that are, that are not, you know, they're not socking things away in a 401k plan. They, they are living day to day, moment to moment, and God takes care of them. And aren't you much more valuable than those little sparrows? Yes, you are. You are incredibly valuable to God, and if he takes care of them, he's going to take care of you. And these things will be given to you. They are, they are gifts from above. They are, they are God's provision for you, not necessarily, not necessarily earned, but given because of his care and love for us as his children. Um, C.S. Lewis puts this together put first things first, and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. Everything is given as well. That's the exponential benefit. His needs, uh, he provides our needs and... We get to be in his kingdom. He is our king forever and ever. We, we have our cake and eat it too. Like, like Lewis says, we have the first things and the second things because we have first sought his kingdom and righteousness. And, and, the, and the reason it works, the reason this takes away our anxiety is because as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we are reminded, it never escapes our awareness, that who is the king? He is. I am not. There's, there's, there's no physical, political, human leader that is the ultimate king. He is. And as I seek his kingdom and righteousness, if I'm really doing that, I'm not ever going to forget who's on the throne and who's got my back. If Jesus Christ has your back, there's no need to worry, no matter how high the stakes, because Jesus Christ got your back, front and side, and everything, and your eternity. So, no matter what it is you want the most, seek first his kingdom, 
And if you want something you need, he will, he will take care of you. It's, it's an oversimplification, but I think it's a way we can, we can state this by, by all means. Don't seek the things you want. Seek his kingdom, want his kingdom, want his righteousness, and everything else, everything else is provided. As the, as the verse that we go back to time and again, Jesus says, the one who wants to save his life will lose it. But look at Jesus. The one who loses their life for his sake finds it. All the fulfillment, all the meaning, all the deep joy and happiness that we all want is not found when we go after those things. All of those all of those powerful, wonderful things come from Him. And we seek Him first. His ways, His righteousness. Let us walk in those ways. Coming year. Pray with me. Lord, we thank You that we are not alone on this journey, that these calls You place on us are empowered and enabled by Your presence in us. We praise and thank you for the gift of, of living now in this age when your spirit is present. Spirit, pour out your power on all of us. You know where each one of us is in our walk with you. We pray for you to, to enlarge our hearts, to, to empower our steps, to, to turn our desires toward you if they are elsewhere. Give us the courage to prioritize your, your kingdom and your righteousness. Give us the faith to trust in you more fully. And Lord, use us to, to, to be a light to those who, who are not in relationship with you yet. Help our lives of, of love and loving you be testimonies to others around us. We entrust ourselves to you and thank you for for this time and for this life, help us all to be the best stewards of the life you've given us we can be. May it all be to your glory as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We are located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.